Okay, glad you're here this morning with us. Glad you're watching online as we start in on this uh, series we've been in, Draw the Circle. And I guess if you're going to have to do anything for your birthday, preaching's pretty good. So uh, we will just enjoy it. And in fact, you know, God is good. So the passage I get to preach on today is from Caleb in Joshua 14, where he says, it doesn't matter that I'm old and I'm nowhere near that age. And he's like, but give me this mountain. It's a good, it's a good passage to preach through and be reminded of on, you know, on this day. So I, I will tell you my one, uh, I'm, not, I'm not that old yet story. A couple months ago, I had to go to the eye doctor, going through all these things. And then he says the dreaded words I did not want to hear. You should really get bifocals. No, no, I am not 50 yet. I will surrender to the bifocal at 50, okay? Until then, you're going to see all weird things. You're going to see me taking off my glasses at all weird times so I can read stuff, okay? I am willing to do that until that day, okay? So just know, know that. And those of you like, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't wait till 50. You have more patience than I do, okay? I don't have that much, so that, that's where we are. So hopefully you are doing well as you're going through this, as you're reading along, and it doesn't matter whether you're on day 22 like the rest of us or day two, you are doing what we desired for, that you would have a chance to connect with God. That was the whole point of everything, that you would connect with God. That's been the whole point of why we're doing all this, uh, why we made sure that everybody, every family got a book and there's a couple left. So husband and wife, you've been fighting over and you can't figure out who left what where. You can grab another one. That is just fine. I hope you're doing well. The whole point was to connect with God. We wanted to have, help you do that and have you do that and see the difference that that would make. So find a time, find a place, and just be a chapter a day. It's going to tell you some scripture. We, we also encouraged you uh, to get a notebook, get a journal, write down your prayers, and, and just watch as God's answering them. Most of us just pray and then don't consider the answers because we're like, but God, I have so much. I have so much. And every day it's like I just keep asking for more. But if you write it down, you start looking back, you're like, wow, God answered this. And then I watched this take place. And you just start watching what God is doing. And it's really, really good for you. And it will just help you and increase your faith and increase your time together with God. So the whole point of today is to think long. Think long. So in your book, and you're going to run into this if you haven't yet, uh, it's a story of a man by the name of Honey. Honey is the circle maker, and uh, he drew a circle and asked for asked God to make it rain and wouldn't leave that until it did. And he's kind of the original circle maker. He circled something and asked God to provide and make sure things took place, and God answered prayer. So he's the original one. And he did something very interesting. He planted, now this is Middle Eastern tree. None of us ever heard of it. He planted a carob tree. And it takes 70 years to bear fruit. So just, just saying, you're not planting a tree and going, okay, we're going to have, and I, I, I don't know, it produces some pods. So we'll just say, you're not going to have carob pie next week, okay? It's going to take time. It's going to take 70 years. So you never plant a carob tree for yourself doesn't work, okay? You're not going to be around long enough, okay? Unless your name is Methuselah, you're not going to be around long enough. So you always plant it for the next generation. 
And his point was, when he did that, was somebody did it for me, I am going to do it for the next generation. And it's about thinking long, that our prayers aren't answered in seconds or minutes, but sometimes it takes time for our prayers to be answered and to watch how God moves and God uh, intervenes and intersects our life. That doesn't happen in, in a quick, fleeting moment. It takes time. It takes time. And we've got to remember that, that it takes time. The prayers do not have an expiration date. That the prayers you're praying don't just end, well, day of my death, okay, whatever says on my tombstone, I guess that's it. All my prayers just die on that day. But they don't have an expiration date. And I'm watching this happen in our own town. Uh, if you've not heard, the Friends Church, uh, which is on the corner of, I hope I get this right, uh, Buxton and uh, Boston, okay, it's right on that corner, that church has closed its doors, okay? This happened a couple years ago. Uh, older congregation kind of closed its doors and, well, okay, what's going to happen to the building, right? Is it just going to get leveled, be another parking lot? What's it going to be? And what has happened to that so far is that it's, it's becoming a community center. So it's going to be a 12-step program that takes place there on Thursday nights. Uh, other things are going to come into that space. So you see, all the people who prayed for as long as that church has been open, which is quite a while, their prayers didn't end because even the church ended. They kept going on. And purpose was to what? Reach people for God's kingdom. Well, that's still taking place. And that's still happening. So I want you to understand, our prayers don't have an expiration date. They don't have a date where they expire and they're bad. They're not like things you got to throw out because it's past the expiration date. They keep going on and on and on. So one of the famous American preachers was Jonathan Edwards. And it said that he prayed for generations of his family. Generations of his family that he never knew he would never meet. Just prayed that God would work in those generation after generation after generation. So somebody decided, I wonder if that worked. They're reading that prayer one day, and they're saying, wow, Jonathan Edwards did this every day. He got down, he just asked God to move and move and move. I wonder if that had any effect. And so they began looking. And in those generations to follow, here's what they found. One U.S. president, vice president, one dean of a law school, a dean of a medical school. Keeps going. Three senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, that's a big old list. And that's what they discovered. Oh, my goodness. God was answering those prayers generationally, stuff he would never see, he would never experience, he would never even know of. God kept moving and kept answering and kept answering. And the point is, is that the way we pray? Do we ever pray that way? Or do we pray for the, the car right now that's giving us problems? Uh, do we pray for our own health needs right now and what is going on right now? I, I don't know if you discovered this, but after today, you know, I just discovered this as I'm getting ready for this. But after today, you're going to look back at some of your prayers if you've been writing them down, what I need to pray for. And you'll be like, oh, 
and you're just going to find your eight instant prayer. Whatever's going on in your life in that moment, those are the things you tend to pray about. Those are the things you're asking God about. And perhaps, just perhaps, today you would think about, what do I need to be praying for the long haul? What does God want me to pray generationally for other people in my family? That's, that's what this is all about, praying generationally and asking God to give us things that are going to bless generation after generation after generation. So if you have your Bibles, Joshua 14, okay, you can follow along on the screen. Those of you at home, you can follow along on the bottom there uh, with all the verses we're going to be looking at. This is Caleb's story. Now, if you don't know who Caleb is, Caleb is one of two. Joshua was the other one who came back from Canaan and said, we can take this place. God will give us this place. Yeah, there's giants, so what, okay? Uh, they, they just, they gave a great report. In other words, there's obstacles. God never said it would be easy or it would be simple, but we can go take this. And so Joshua and Caleb showed up, and we're going to take this, and we're going to give it. And, and the other ten guys went, oh, we're not going there. And, and they began to tell everybody all the scary stuff, right? They got all the fact sheets. All the stuff you hear on the news all the time is supposed to scare you, okay? Uh, just imagine those are the ten guys. And they're just, I mean, negative, 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 to the point where he's like, we can't go in there. We will never make it. So Joshua and Caleb get a blessing out of that. They are allowed to enter the promised land, and ultimately Joshua would lead the people into the promised land. So now that they have conquered, right, we're 14 chapters in, this is a ways in, what's going to happen now? Well, Caleb is going to ask for something. Now I want you to see his story and what he talks about, and the age he is when he's doing this, and he's asking for something that we're going to see generationally has some blessings and some insight into all of it. Here it goes. The men of Judah approached Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Junipah, the Kenzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to you and me and to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea. So that's where they went out as spies, okay? They did that from this place called Kadesh Barnea. You can read all about it. I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord's servant, sent me, okay? And he sent him into Kadesh Barnea to spy on the land, and I brought back to him an honest report. My countrymen who accompanied me frightened the people. Yep, they got every scare tactic they could, and they're big, and they're, and they're too much, and they got all these weapons, and we'll never make it, and we'll never do it, okay? And Caleb's saying, they scare everybody. We came to an honest report. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But my goodness, we got God on our side. We can do anything. So that was a difference here that he's created. He says, but I remain loyal to the Lord my God. That day Moses made this solemn promise. Surely the land on which you walked will belong to you and your descendants permanently, for you remain loyal to the Lord your God. So he remembers that. He's going back and he's saying, Moses made us a promise. And he's standing before Joshua. Moses made his promise. Remember that promise was? Where we put our feet. That was ours. And it was our descendants. It wasn't just ours, okay? But generationally, this is going to be ours, okay? And, and if we remain loyal, if we follow God, that's what will happen. So now look, the Lord has preserved my life. He's like, I'm still alive, okay? Just that speech. I'm still alive. Just as he's promised these past 45 years 
since the Lord spoke these words to Moses, okay? So you're doing the math in your head because he's going to say how old he is anyways, right? But do that math, okay? He's actually waited longer than he was at the point of the promise. That's really important because if you do that, I don't know if I could do that. I'm just being honest this morning. I don't know. That would be hard. He has lived out the waiting part longer than he was alive at the point of being given the promise. And yet he's going to, okay, what does God have in store? What does God have in store? While, the Israelite, while Israel traveled through the wilderness, see, here I am today, and here's, here's the math. If you add it up, 85 years old. I'm 85. And I have remained loyal to the Lord. I've done everything God has asked. Today I am still as strong as Moses sent me out. Translated, I'm not dead, I'm not done. Okay, I've used that line before. Okay, some of you just need to remember that. Okay, Does, do things change? Yes. Do roles change? Yes. But if you're not dead, you're not done. I don't care what your age. Here's a, here's a guy at 85 saying, nope, I'm still as strong as I was at 40. So he's going to ask for something. I can fight and go about my daily activities with the same energy I had then. Who wants to know what Caleb's secret of energy was, right? I'm about there, okay? Man, what's your secret? So you're saying at 85, you got the same energy as 40. Was it the water? Who's going with me to Israel, okay? Who's going to get some stuff? Realize, how do I get that? But that's his story. That's what he's saying. He's been waiting for this promise, waiting for God to deliver. He's 85 years old. Here it comes. Now, assign me this hill country. Some of your translations will say, give me this mountain. Because that's what he's asking for. He's asking for a hill country, a, a mountainous region. He's asking for that. That's mine. Give it to me. Assign me this hill country that the Lord promised me at that time. No doubt. Right? He's, he's going to make sure they understand. I'm 85. Do you know what's waiting for you over there? I, I, I don't know. Right? Do, do you know what's waiting for you at 85? You might not want to go there. So, no doubt you heard then. Here he goes. That the Anakites lived there in large fortified cities. You run into Anak before. Okay? He's a giant and whatever, whatever translation that is of how big that is, he's a big scary dude. Let's just call it that way, okay? And these are now his descendants. So when Caleb looked in the land, he saw that the descendants of Anak were there. Hey, they're still there. They didn't move. They're in large fortified cities. But assuming the Lord is with me, I will conquer them as the Lord promised. How many of you have made assumptions on the other side? Oh, I'm 85. I'm just going to assume everything's bad. It's wrong. It's going downhill. It's going in the wrong direction. He's going to assume the best. God is on my side. God is with me. God has a plan. God has a purpose in this. And he's going to do what he promised. So Joshua asked God, right? This is a prayer. you got to stop and, and realize that. He's going to pray over Caleb son of Juniper, and assigned him Hebron. So Hebron remains the assigned land of Caleb, son of Jennifer, the Kenzite, to this very day because he remained loyal to the Lord, God of Israel. Then there's this little footnote. You probably skip over it because you like, it's geography. A anybody else get a D in geography? Okay. Anybody else bad in geography? So you skip over this next part. Hebron used to be called Karath Arba. Arba was, oh, 
look at that. He was an Anakite. He was a big, scary dude. And he went down because God had better plans. So he said, that's what it used to be called. But it's not called that anymore because Arba was defeated. He was defeated. He was laid to waste. Caleb took care of that. And the land was free of war. And do you know what would happen? Because see, Caleb saw it generationally, not just immediate. Uh, he's 85. He's not going to enjoy this land for a whole lot longer. Okay? I, we're, I don't even think we're told how old he was. He's, he's going to think generationally. I want generations part of this land. And you know what he would not see, what would happen? That 500 years later, a man by the name of David would be crowned king in that very hill country that he asked God to give him. That, ver that very same one. Did he know that? I don't know what he knew. He knew that God wanted to do something generationally. And he was like, give me that mountain. Give me that hill country. Give me that. And I'm going to go take it. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go assume it. Uh, just give it to me. And that's what he does. And all of a sudden, when you start reading the rest of the story, oh, my goodness, look what happened. And look what took place. So can I offer some reminders this morning? Otherwise, we're going to let this be a great inspiration story. And, well, well, I guess when I'm 85, I'll read Caleb and see what it's like then. And figure out what he used, right, to have the same type of energy. You could do that. You could walk away and think, wow, this, that, that, that's inspirational. I guess I'm not done, okay? I'm not done yet. But what's it going to remind you to do? What's it going to remind you when you start thinking about your prayers? What's it going to remind you as you connect with God and as you think about generations? That that's really, really important for us. Yeah, it's a good inspirational story. We can be all riled up and do nothing. And that would be a tragedy, to do nothing from his story. So here we go. Number one, the faith in the next generation is worth everything. He certainly understands that. If he follows God and he takes that hill country, showing his family about it, and they keep telling the story, what Caleb did. He knows they have a good chance of passing the faith to the next generation. It is literally worth everything, and I think we take it too much for granted. Okay? So pray for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and so on. Some of you are like, I don't want to think about grandchildren, right? Or I don't want to think about great-grandchildren. So what? Okay? Think about them. And more importantly, pray for them. Pray for them generationally. Because you're asking for the same thing. For the faith of the next generation. Whatever generation that is that you are in, pray it for the next one that you hope to be a part of and to encourage and help. Pray into the next one. And to the next one. And to the next one. And may I offer some suggestions as you are praying for them I, I think we should pray for three things number one that they would follow Jesus not that they would just we, we got to be careful okay we want them to follow Jesus we want them to follow Jesus 
Not, not, just, not just come to a gathering at some point and, and pray, get out, get out a hell free card, okay, and, and ask God for that, and then just go doing what everybody else does. We want them to follow Jesus and see the difference that makes in their life. If they would commit to following Jesus, I'm telling you, that would take half of all the anxiety out of our lives about our next generation. So I make sure they're following Jesus and pray that they would follow Jesus. And they would do the things that Jesus says we should do. Things like forgiving. Things like what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to pray? What, what should we be building our lives on? Pray for their family. Pray for their family. Because no doubt um, who they are interested in and ultimately marry, are, are, are it's going to how much of number one is true. It's just going to. I, I know you can tell me all the stories you want. I'm just telling you. I just, this is just true. This is just true. That if you would pray for them to also find someone who together, they create a family together who also follows Jesus. Guess what they're going to probably do? Follow Jesus. If they do go go anywhere, do anything, and it do, this doesn't matter, well, they're probably not going to end up following Jesus. They might show up to church occasionally, and maybe that'll be good enough for you to pat yourself on the back. But that doesn't mean they're following Jesus. And that's what you want them to do is follow Jesus. And number three, you're going to pray for the friends. Because these are the people either are, are also going to help them make it or break it. What's the old adage? Show me, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Where you end up. Where you'll go. Because those are the people influencing you of where to go and what to do and how to do it. And when we let the wrong people in our life influencing us in the wrong, always end up going in the wrong direction. Always. Just happens. It just happens. We feel accepted by people, and those people are doing things, but we end up going that same direction and that same route. So as you're praying generationally, would you pray that they would follow Jesus? Would you pray for their family and, and, and the person they would ultimately marry? Would you pray for their friends who are ultimately going to help them in the direction of their life? Number two, prayers are sometimes answered generations later. That, that is one of the things you cannot miss out of the story. He has no idea who David is. None. None. And yet, he is just asking God and asking God to do something. And sometimes prayers are answered generations later, just like what I am watching in this town right now. The prayers, all those people in that church did not stop. They did not end when the church ended. We have to think bigger than this. We have to think bi bigger than buildings and set periods of time that God is sovereign and God works through and midst all of it. So prayers are answered generations later. Do you know what that means? Your greatest contribution in the kingdom of God might not be something, uh, something you do, but someone you raise. We've talked about that length before. It might not be something you do. It might be someone you raise. And that prayer that you hope to see accomplished was done a generation late. It's like David, if you've ever read the story where David 
is just begging God to build the temple, right? Begging God to build the temple. And God does not let him. He lets him draw the plans. He lets him go through all this stuff, uh, secure building stuff, all these different things. But no, when does that prayer get answered? The next generation. After it's gone, Solomon takes over, and Solomon builds the temple. He doesn't get to build it in his generation. It happens generations later. And in fact, as you're reading through some of the kings, you'll find that, that God is angry with them because of the way they're acting. But he does not destroy. You can work destroy and because of his promises to David. Like, wait a minute, that was a long time ago, and it's getting really bad. I know, but I made this promise. I made this promise, I made this promise, I made this promise, and I'm going to keep my promise to David. Even generations later, when David's gone, and they're, they're messing up, I am going to keep my promise to him. Number three, patience and persistence is the only way to pray this way. Anybody got a lot of patience? We are not patient people. We, 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 are, we are not. I, I, I find that more and more. And, and, and to add to patience, that you might not see this come soon, it's persistence. I've got to keep praying that this would happen in the midst of all that's going on and all that's staying away. I've got to keep praying this. So not only do I have the patience to keep praying, even though I might not see it for years and years and years and years and years. I've got to have persistence to keep on praying when I just want to quit. Or we could just say never quit. Never. Never. The, the, one of the things you stop praying for. Oh, uh, you don't understand. Generationally, I'm, I'm not sure. My, my kids are just off somewhere, and I don't know what's wrong with them. Don't stop praying. You have no idea how long it might take, patience-wise or persistence-wise, to keep praying into all of that. So as I've asked you the last couple of weeks, how will these truths affect your prayer? So now when you go back and you start praying, remember, praying for you, praying for your family, praying for your work or for, for our students, you're praying for your school, and then you're praying for our church. Well, this looks different now. Now there's things i got to keep praying for instead of just praying for the immediate thing that comes to mind that I really need God to do today because it's Tuesday and I've got all this going on. Whatever I want him to do over and over again, that's going to take me patience because it might take a long time. And it's going to take me persistence. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. Fortunately, we have things that help us remind us of God's goodness and faithfulness. So we're going to take communion this morning. I'm going to ask Dave here in a moment to help me. And so if you're on this side of the room, you're going to come up and uh, grab two cups. The bottom one has bread in it, the, the top uh, juice in it. And sit back down. We will eat and drink uh, together. If you're watching at home, grab anything you have near you and take that together with us as we celebrate what God has done. This took place, I mean, we're on the, we're nearing 2,000 years, and yet we still have that promise. When Jesus gathered at that table 
and he celebrated with his disciples and said, you need to remind people what I have done. And so the church ever since has been in different patterns and different ways, been reminding people of what he has done for us. And so Dave's going to be on this side. I'm going to be on this side. And we're going to invite you to come up and take the cup and the bread. And then we're going to eat and drink uh, together. So uh, let's pray and let's ask God to bless this time and remind us of what he wants to do generationally in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your help. We ask for your help today. There are things we need patience because we have no idea how long it might take for that prayer to be fulfilled. Maybe outside of our own lifetime. And that's just patience we don't possess. And it takes persistence to keep praying that. Even though on a Monday, it's going to be hard. And by Friday, we certainly don't want to pray it. And two years from now, we're tired of praying it. So we're going to need your help. That you give us all the patience we need and the persistence we need. And see what you might do in the midst of this. We ask your blessing upon the cup and the bread today. That as we hold it, we remember all that you have done for us. It is your sacrifice that has set us free. It's made us whole. And we're reminded, Father, even if we don't have much in common with uh, the other people uh, in the room or the other people watching online, we have the same cup and the same bread in front of us, representing the same Savior who died in our place and rose for our salvation. We have that in common. That's all we need. So I pray this would remind us of the bonds of unity, would remind us how deeply we are loved, and that you would give up everything for us. We pray your blessing on this time. We, we ask that you'd help us to remember all that you have done and continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen.